filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calagiri. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Cut the Crap Podcast, where I make sure you never have to read a book again. I'm your host, Ryan Calagiri, and uh, I'm the poor sucker who has to sit down and read all these books and filter through all that crap just to make sure that you don't have to worry about that. So if this is your first time listening, then thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing. Please make sure you tell all your peers, all your friends, all your family members, and make sure that they are also tuned in to Cut the Crap Podcast uh, because, hey, you're doing them a favor. You're saving them time and you're giving them the gift of knowledge. Anyways, you guys, today we're talking about the book, and it's actually a book that's very close to my heart, and I'll tell you why in just a second. The book is The Ultimate Sales Machine. Now, the reason I'm featuring this book is because I want to get more meetings. I want to get more prospects in my sales funnel, and I want a shorter sales cycle. I want more sales. It comes down to that point very simply. So if you're a salesperson, you're going to love this book. Now, I chose The Ultimate Sales Machine. I actually read this book a long time ago, but I wanted to put this in here because it's an ode to one of my mentors. I was lucky enough to have Chet Holmes as a mentor very early on in my career. He gave me a little bit of time every single month where he would give me some resources, he would give me some coaching, and this really helped me to get to where I needed to get to in life to become, you know, in my opinion, a competent growth strategist, understanding how to use certain sales techniques, certain marketing techniques, different techniques when it comes to referrals, account management. And he really helped me navigate the course. He helped me get over those big chasms and prevented me from making a lot of mistakes. And so he really condenses a lot of those points down into this book. So I really feel it's important for me to share this book, share the information in this book with all of you. And that's my way of giving back to him is making sure that his content, his lessons, his teachings, they go forward and they help a new generation of people who are looking to generate greater sales. Uh, They want to get better marketing performance and they want to fill a pipeline. And I know that any organization, small, medium or large, they're always focused on forming that strong pipeline that generates sales, that gives them a very strong forecast. This book will help you do that. Now, I think Chet built this book for CEOs because there's a lot of information here that talks to a CEO, how to hire good people, how to put together a good sales system, how to put together a good marketing system. So there's a lot of information here, but what I want to do is I want to really focus this. And again, the reason why I'm reading this book is because I want more meetings. I want more prospects in my sales funnel. I want a shorter sales cycle and hell, I just want more sales. So with that filter in mind, that's how I'm going to be reading this book. Now, The Ultimate Sales Machine, like I said, there's a lot of information, but with regards to that specific focus, I took out eight golden nuggets. So why do we get into it? Golden nugget number one, the key ingredient to success. Now, if you listened to the last episode of Cut the Crap Podcast where I featured Seth Godin's The Dip, you'll know that this is something that we talked about in great detail there. Now, Chet was called into an organization, and all the people in this organization were laughing at him. This is him telling the story in the book. And they were saying that they've seen so many different strategists, different consultants, and people with varying levels of expertise like him come in, give them tools, processes, ideas, yada, yada, to run with. But the challenge was nothing worked. And so he asked them, why didn't anything work? They said, ah, you know, it just didn't fit, uh, you know, this piece here didn't work because of this or it didn't work because of this. And they all had different reasons for it. 
Well, this is something that Chet realized this client and every other business that he worked with lacked. They didn't have determination. And something that Chet coins pig-headed determination. That, to me, is the key ingredient to success. And I know that firsthand. And I think anybody listening to this right now can attest to that. Just like we talked about in Seth Godin's The Dip, you need perseverance to get you through that dip. Chet believes that exact same thing. You need pig-headed determination to get to that desired goal. You might not get there right away. Chances are you're not going to get there right away. You might want to become uh, you know, a heavyweight boxing champion. You might want to make a million dollars a year. You might want to own a, a Bugatti Veyron. Whatever it is, you're not going to go from A to B overnight. Hell, you might not even get there over a year or two years or three years or four years. It might take you a long time. Now, with regards to our specific focus of making the sale, if you want to make that sale, you're going to need to do a lot of follow-up. That's persistence. That's pig-headed determination. You got to have a lot of creativity. You need to flex that creative muscle. You need to show that you have perseverance to win that sale. If you don't do that, chances are you're not going to win. If you lack pig-headed determination, you'll probably fail. I've seen so many salespeople who lack pig-headed determination and they find a million reasons why they couldn't close the sale. Ah, uh, you know, we couldn't close it because he wouldn't respond to me. Uh, I couldn't close the deal because uh, he wasn't interested. I don't know. I think it's just time to move on. No, it's not time to move on. It's time to get more creative. It's time to get more persistent. It's time to get more persuasive, more compelling. It's time to put a better offer in front of their face. It's time to refocus the value that you're trying to deliver to them. It's time to ask them what their needs are. And if your product is a good match for those needs, that's what pig-headed determination is. It's about finding a way to win. Do you have that winner's mentality? Yes or no? If you don't, I have nothing to say to you. If you do, then you need to persist. Pig-headed determination. It's one of those phrases that stuck with me for years, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Every day when I sit there and I have to make a call, I think about PhD, pig-headed determination. Do I have it? Yes or no? I know I have it because I'll persist even when I'm not getting any responses. I might have been contacting them 10 times and no response, but yet I still persist. You have to do the same thing. Now the question is, how do you build that muscle? How do you become pig-headed all of a sudden? It's really tough. It's really tough. And you know, I don't really necessarily have an answer for you and neither does Chet. And I don't believe that people are born with it either because I didn't have that kind of persistence. As a matter of fact, I started to build that persistence, that muscle, after Chet told me about this. Chet told me about pig-headed determination, and he went into detail and told me stories about how he won after he contacted people X amount of times. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I was trying to reach into um, – I'll just say, say it for you guys. I was trying to get into Rogers Communications, a company out of Toronto. I always start at the top. Always start at the top. So I was trying to go after the CEO, Guy Laurence. And I kept pelting Guy with different direct mailers, phone calls, video messages, uh, emails, whatever, whatever I could come up with, I would send to him. It took me, now eventually I broke in and I got a hold of Guy, but it took me 42 follow-ups, 42 follow-ups. Now, if you're sitting there listening to me and you say, there's no way in hell I would stick through and follow up with somebody 42 times, then I would ask you, go back and listen to the last episode, episode number two of The Dip. Is that gold at the very end of that dip worth it to you? If it is, then you'll find a reason to persist and move forward. If not, then you're probably going to quit and you're probably going to fail. 
and you'll probably never get into those big companies. So eventually I got in, uh, I'll finish telling this story. I got in and uh, had a very brief conversation with him on the phone. And he said, you know what? I'm just not your guy. Um, well, I, yes, I am the CEO. There's other people in this organization you need to be talking to about this. Let me forward you on to them. So he forwarded my email onto this individual. And because I went to the top and he forwarded it onto them, I got a response from that VP a lot quicker. Because it's obviously, you know, you have to respond to the guy the CEO told you to respond to, of course. Now, that's a strategy that I use in sales, but it would not work if I didn't have persistence. Let's be honest here for a second. I am not the best sales guy. There are people who can do a pitch 100 times better than me. There are people who answer objections far better than me. There's far more charismatic people than me. I am not the best sales guy, but I'll tell you what I do have. I have persistence and that pig-headed determination to win. You don't have to be the best salesperson, but you have to be the most persistent. You have to be willing to fail, and you have to be determined enough to get there. I've gone on enough about this point, so the key ingredient to success, pig-headed determination. Golden nugget number two, learning to manage your time more effectively. Now, the first thing to managing your time more effectively is in touching things only once. Now, this is a great rule to incorporate into your daily activities because by just spending 15 to 20 minutes a day touching an email, document, file, what have you, you'll waste more than 100 hours per year where absolutely no action is taken. So if you touch it, if you're going to put time to it, make sure you have the time to put actions to it. Don't open that email. Don't open that letter. Don't touch that RFP, that proposal until you're ready to deal with it. There's so much wasted time in people just touching things here or there, you know, dabbling here, dabbling there. No, you have to be focused. In these days where there's so much on your plate right now, there's so many distractions, you cannot afford to be distracted unless you are giving your time to a specific task. So if you're going to be doing email, make sure you have an hour or a half an hour blocked off to do that email. Otherwise, don't even look at it. If it dings on your phone or you see the pop-up come up in your Outlook, don't look at it. Don't touch it. Don't waste time on it. Stay focused on what you need to do. That touch once philosophy is so important, and that's something that Chet harps on. Don't touch it unless you're going to put time to it. And I don't mean put two minutes to it here, put two minutes to it here. No. Section off your day into spaces where you can do certain tasks. So, For example, this is the next tip for you. Every day when you come into the office, make a list of the six most important tasks you need to complete in the day. So as you plan out your day and how much time you would like to dedicate to each task, make sure that you have those six tasks outlined, how much time you want to put towards each one. And I would even put the times throughout the day that you're going to dedicate to those. Now, I would suggest maybe dedicating an hour to each of the six tasks, which leaves you about two hours of buffer for meetings and ad hoc conversations that we know happens in the office. You know, phone calls that come in, distractions that come about, it's bound to happen. So allot yourself six tasks, six hours, and a period of time throughout the day and when you're going to do these things. Organize your day by those blocks. It's really tough to do that, especially if you're not used to doing that. I understand. But if you want to become more efficient, if you want to manage your time more effectively, which is what this nugget is about, learning to manage your time more effectively then putting a system into place that will force you into putting time into these specific boxes will help you become far more effective. I started doing this as a result of Chet's advice, and it really helped guide me through all the BS that comes up throughout the day. 
like I said, there's so many distractions, whether it's social media, text messages, emails, documents, mailers, whatever it is, there's always something to take my attention away. But if I'm really harsh on myself and I really want to make sure that I'm strict on my time, then I'll stick to my six boxes. I have six boxes every single day. Actually, what I do is before the day uh, is done the previous day, I plan out my next day. So for example, if today is Monday, then I'm already planning Tuesday at the end of day Monday. If it's Tuesday end of day, then I'm planning out my Wednesday at the end of day on Tuesday. You see what I mean? So do that. Six boxes, six items. Outline how much time you're going to give to them. And I'll, again, I would recommend maybe about an hour per. And let's be honest here. It's, a hard and, it's not a hard and fast rule. If you have a, a proposal that you have to put together and you know it's going to take you the full day, then it's going to take you the full day. This is just the basic day. If you don't have big tasks, tasks or big boulders in mind, then you know what? Organize your day by six tasks. If you have big items that you need to do, then it's going to take your entire day. But the main thing here is the touch once philosophy. If you can't dedicate time to it, don't touch it. Very simple. Golden nugget number three. How the buying pyramid impacts your approach. So any one time for any product or service, it doesn't matter what it is, only 3% of people are buying right now. Only 3%. That's not a hell of a lot, you guys. When you're facing that kind of marketplace, which is the world we're in, only 3% are buying, you need to have a lot of persistence and a lot of creativity to try to stay in front of people, to compel them, to interest them, to convince them that what you have to offer is going to benefit them. Now, the buying pyramid really starts at the top where 3% are buying now. Below that, 7% of people are open to the idea of buying. So they might be dissatisfied with their current item or their current provider, and they're not opposed to changing. So for example, a marketing provider, a technology provider, a law provider, an accounting firm, whatever it is, they might not be 100% satisfied, so they're open to looking elsewhere. So that accounts for 10% of the pyramid. People are buying now, 3%. People who are open to the idea of buying, that's 7%. So what about the remaining 90%? Well, the remaining 90% is broken into three individual categories. The top third, they're not against it. They're not for it. They're just thinking about it. They won't respond back to your sales outreach about your product or service because they just aren't thinking about what you have to offer right now. The next one third, they think they're not interested. They're not neutral like the first third. They would reply back with, I don't think I'm interested in what you have to offer. Thank you so much. And this is what a lot of you guys are facing right now. People saying, thanks, but no thanks. That's that second third. So the final one third are defiantly not interested. Now you hate reaching out to people like this because they're usually quite angry and offended that you reached out to them. They're happy with what they have. They simply don't need what you have. They don't want to talk to you. They say thank you very much. They usually hang up on your ear or they just don't respond to you, uh, your email, your direct mail or whatever it is. So that's the buying pyramid. 3% are buying now. 7% are open to the idea of buying. Out of the remaining 90%, one third of that, they're not against it, but they're not for it. They're just thinking about it. The next one third, think they're not interested. They're not neutral like the first third. They don't think they're interested in what you have to offer. And finally, the last third, they just don't want what you have to offer. Get the hell out of my face kind of mentality with these guys. Now, the buying pyramid is so important for you to understand as a sales professional because it gives you context in terms of what you're moving yourself into right now. It's telling you most people are going to have some resistance to what you're offering them. So the next question you have to ask yourself is, 
how do I appeal to that 90%? Because that's the majority. So how do I appeal to them? That's our next golden nugget. Golden nugget number four, how to hit everyone on the pyramid with greater impact. So just as I was mentioning, 90% of people are going to provide some sort of resistance to you. So the advice here that Chet provides is don't just pitch to your prospects. Cast a wider net and offer useful information. By doing so, you'll outmarket your rivals and boost your sales. That's a pretty big value proposition there. And that if you cast a wider net, you'll achieve more sales. True or false? Absolutely 100% true. And I speak from personal experience. This is something where content marketing these days, and again, Chet really put this out years and years ago before social media really took over, before people were putting white papers online. But by casting a wider net, having a strategy in place to attract the 90%, as well as the 10 and the, or the, the 7 and the 3%, but by casting a wider net with your content, you're going to be able to attract more people and hold their attention. The challenge is way too many executives these days, and again, I'm speaking from firsthand experience here, way too many execs are so tactical when they want to increase sales. And I worked with a lot of people who are just saying, you know, increase the amount of calls you have to do, increase the frequency, increase the frequency. Shut up. Honestly, you can't just increase the frequency and expect to see change. It doesn't work that way. It's slamming your head onto the wall and saying, I'm not breaking through, I'm not breaking through, and your boss coming in and saying, Hit it twice as hard and hit it twice as many times. Then you'll break through. No, you'll just have a freaking headache for crying out loud. You have to be smarter. You have to approach that wall with a different perspective, a different tool, a set of different weapons. Like Sun Tzu said, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. So what the ultimate sales machine recommends is not going out with a pitch that communicates the benefits of your products and services. Instead, Chet argues that we take it from the 10,000 foot view to a 100,000 foot view when we sell. So what kind of pitch can you produce that will help you penetrate this pyramid with greater effectiveness? You need to be less tactical and more strategic, meaning take it from, hi, I'd like to talk to you about your products and services, to, I'd like to share with you some information about the five ways you're wasting money in your finance and your operations. Now, to be honest with you, you're not going to rivet executives. They're not going to be waiting to take your call here. But I'll tell you right now, they're also not leaving. They'll stay to hear a lot more from you with this type of approach as opposed to entering in the doorway with information about your product and services. It appeals to everyone in the pyramid because everyone is interested in saving money in their operations and administrative costs. The hardest thing we need to do today is grab the attention of potential buyers and keep their attention long enough to help them buy your product or buy your service. So by taking this approach, it's very strategic. And so a lot of people might not understand. The tactical executives, many of which I've worked with, have said, well, why would I approach it with such a strategy when all I want is sales? Right. All you want is sales, so all you want to do is talk about your product or service. Very tactical in nature. And I'll tell you right now, those folks continue to have a difficult time selling their product or service. They're in the trenches with hand-to-hand combat and struggling. They are struggling because they are so tactical. And they'll continue to struggle until they grasp the power of approaching something with a strategy. Something that's going to open the door. 
Someone that's going to help build rapport, build relationship. So let me give you guys an example here to help you crystallize this before I close off this golden nugget. An ineffective offer that you put out to the marketplace right now would go something like this. Hi there, Mr. And Mrs. Customer. Let me tell you how great we are at helping with your IT services. Ah, that's great. I hear that a lot. If it's not IT, it's marketing, it's law, it's accounting, whatever. An effective offer would be this. Hi, Mr. And Mrs. Customer. As part of our effort to build better relationships in the business community, we offer a free report entitled Six Ways to Dramatically Increase Productivity Using Your Current Technology. Now, something like that will intrigue them. They won't hang up on you. They might ask for the information. They might ask you on the phone for the gist of it. But they're also not running away or ignoring you. Chances are, again, this is not a, uh, a foolproof approach. A lot of people will decline your offer as well, too. But this is going to help you get in the door faster. Sales is about building rapport, not breaking it. When you sell or pitch, you're often breaking rapport because the prospect might be skeptical and no one wants to be sold to. So when you educate, you're building rapport. Your credibility is increased significantly when you begin meetings with data that is of value to the prospect. I highly recommend to you, and Chet does as well too. This is something that Chet, again, I'm kind of blending the information from the book and coaching that, that Chet provided me, but it's so important to launch all your meetings by teaching your prospects something or by offering data that establishes that you've done your homework and that you're an authority on something. Give them that data, show them you've done your homework, and that'll definitely help you win more business. A nice little takeaway here, something that I'll never forget that Chet always said to me, when you sell you break rapport. But when you educate, you build it. Sit and think on that one for a little bit. Golden nugget number five. How to go to market in a way that almost guarantees a new client. Man, if you tell me that there's a go-to-market approach out there that will almost guarantee me a new client, I'm trying that approach. So this is something that I've personally used to generate new clients, and I can say for sure that it works. When you apply enough persistence in the face of rejection, non-responses, and you know, self-perceived failure. This is one of my favorite approaches. It's, it's strategic. It's tactical. It's um, you know, based in persistence. It's creative. It has all the elements needed to succeed. You know, so when I say go to market, it's a big string of words that can be very intimidating. Go to market. What does that mean? You know, do I need to build a go to market approach, a strategy? Do I need to have some 20 page document? Well, Chet tries to simplify it by making your next go to market as simple as possible by following only five steps. Step number one, choose your dream 100 prospects. So what you need to do is define who your top 100 prospects are. These might be people connected to your own network. They might be referrals. They might be companies in your own backyard, companies nationally. Whatever it is, find your 100 prospects that you are going to focus all of your energies, all of your resources. These are the 100 prospects that are going to be the beneficiaries of your energy. So step number two is choose your tchotchke gifts. And you're saying, what do I need tchotchke for? You need this because this is going to be a part of your direct mail campaign. If you're listening and you just rolled your eyes because I said direct mail, direct mail, I know it's an outbound technique that a lot of people are saying it's dead. It doesn't work, Ryan. No, no, no. The tactic of sending a direct mailer and the approach that you take can be wrong. There's approaches out there that work. This 
approach in a in a in a, a silo won't work. However, using this approach within a bigger strategy works. Okay, so follow me here for a second. So what I want you to do is choose six tchotchke gifts. It might be a little dinosaur. It might be a magnifying glass. It could be a Rubik's cube. It could be a flashlight keychain. Whatever it is, choose tchotchke gifts. Choose six of them. Step three, develop a presentation filled with data and insight that would be of interest to a CEO. Now, as I gave you the example before of me reaching out to Guy Lorenzo at Rogers, I always start with the top. Always. Because if I start with a VP, they might say, uh, you know what, I don't know if I should be interested in this too much because number one, they might not have the budget. They might not have the clearance. So they might not have the authority to make a decision on it. So I always start at the top because the top, if they give me the, the attention and they say, you know, I'm not your guy, talk to this person. Then all of a sudden I have credibility because they told me the CEO put me in touch with their VP, which gives me credibility, which says, Hey, there's some urgency here. Call this person back. So what I want you to do at this point is develop a presentation not about your product or service, you need to take a step back. Go from the 10,000 foot view to the 100,000 foot view. Your presentation should be filled with facts and data. So for example, if you're going after, um, let's say you're, you're an IT company and you have a market within manufacturing. What you need to do is you need to find information, data points that talks about innovation in manufacturing, ways that people are saving money in manufacturing, the future of manufacturing, the top problems facing manufacturing. Develop that presentation for them. And at the very end of the presentation, you want to talk about how your IT services can help them take their business, their, their manufacturing, their operations, whatever it is, how you can take their business to another level. I hate that word to another level, but I'm just trying to make it quite brief here. You want to talk about how you're going to be able to save the money, make the money, uh, enhance culture, whatever it is. Step four now is to outline your plan of attack. What are you going to do to reach out to these CEOs? What I want you to do is write out a week by week calendar and say, you know, week one, I'm going to hit them with an email. Week two, phone calls. Week three, direct mailer. And in that week three direct mailer, that's where you might send them a tchotchke. So for example, you might want to send them the keychain flashlight. And that keychain flashlight could be accompanied by an eight and a half by 11 letter folded up that says, don't be in the dark about the top five ways to save money in manufacturing. It's clever. It's cute. It's going to attract their attention. Chances are they might leave the flashlight on their desk. When I did this, I can't tell you how many times I did this and went to the meeting afterwards, got the meeting, went to their office and found the individual tchotchke gifts left on their desk. I would send them a Rubik's cube, a stress ball. I sent a shot glass before all these little tchotchkes that I sent over, they had on their desk and they absolutely loved it. One of the craziest gifts I did, I'm not recommending anybody do this, but I sent a coconut once to somebody and it said, you're one tough nut to crack. Give me a call back at XYZ, blah, 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 blah. It was cute. It was clever. The guy calls me back immediately and starts laughing. He goes, Ryan, I have never received a coconut in the mail before. He goes, let's put some damn time in, in the calendar and get together. Like, it's just these kind of things that breaks it up. It's different. It attracts attention. And that's what you're trying to do. In a world with so many distractions and noise, you want to attract attention. You want to be memorable. So step four is make your calendar in terms of how you're going to follow up. Step five essentially is just execute. Every single week, your goal is to get that executive on the phone, on a call, or in front of you so that you can deliver your presentation. And your presentation, again, isn't about sales. It's, it's not about selling your product or service yet. It's about giving them really good information 
And then once you provide them with that information, ask them questions. It's a door opener. It's a way inside. Now, I'll tell you this much, you guys. This will not work for you. It will absolutely fail 100% of the time if you don't market to somebody with a lot of persistence. If you continue to market to someone with great vigor, they will 100% absolutely get to know who you are. If they tell you no again and again and again, and you keep marketing, you keep selling to them, they will eventually get to know you and yes, almost feel obligated to give you some business because no one has marketed to them with such force before. And there is a go-to-market approach that I know works very, very well. Now, you might think it's a little heavy. It's a little complex. It's not complex. It's very easy to do. It attracts attention. It works. But you have to be persistent. You have to be consistent in sending them out. You have to be consistent in following up with them. It's usually every single week. You're either making a phone call, sending a direct mail, sending an email. You have to be consistent with your follow-up in order for this to work. Remember, pig-headed determination. Or remember a podcast back going through that dip when it might be tough and you're like, ah, you know, nobody's contacting me back. Keep going. Keep going. If you want that commission at the end, if you want that sale, if you want to build that relationship, it's worth the struggle. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the fight. So feel free to use this. If you guys have questions about it, the approach, or if you guys have any, any, anything that you want to know more about it or you want some help in terms of finding different tchotchke or what have you, Feel free to get in contact with me. You guys can get in touch with me on uh, Twitter, on LinkedIn. Feel free to email me as well too, you guys. Ryan.Calajuri at me.com. That's me.com. Golden nugget number six, a quick build to sales brochures. Now for you sales folks out there, I know you guys love having brochures to leave behind with your prospects. But the problem is they're always about your own product or your service. And because of that, it's in my opinion and Chet's opinion that brochures are a complete waste of money. Now, you might be really quick to throw your hands up in the air and say, how dare you? They're not a waste of money. They summarize the offering. They tell the prospect what they're going to get. I, I get that. I totally understand. The reason why I'm saying that and the reason why Chet believes that is that they're focused on you, your company, your product, your service instead of the buyer. They're ego pieces. So instead, the quick build on them is to focus on appealing to that majority of buyers on the pyramid by being more strategic. Again, remember, most of the time you're dealing with the 90% on that pyramid. So you have to be more strategic. Being very tactical, it's not going to be very compelling or it's not going to be very persuasive. So for example, let's say you were in a market where you worked with technology companies. And you service technology companies with different services, different products, whatever it is. Instead of leaving them a one, uh, uh, an eight and a half by 11 brochure that talks about the products, the services you offer, leave them a brochure that says something like the five most dangerous trends facing technology companies and how to drive innovation in a competitive, fast moving market. Now, 100% of people won't get back to you, but you'll get far more people responding back with that approach as opposed to just giving them a brochure with your information. Now, I'm a big fan of making small shifts, small builds. That's a really small build that's easy enough to do, and I'd recommend you really give that a shot. It's a test. Give it a try. What do you have to lose? Golden nugget number seven, a quick deep dive into the fundamentals of selling. Now, you're listening right now. You might be saying, I don't need the fundamentals of selling. I've been selling for years. I don't need to understand the fundamentals. Well, Chet firmly believes that you have to always be reminded of the fundamentals because we get distracted. 
We get distracted with consultants, with experts, with articles, with videos, with programs that tell us this is the best way to sell. No, this is the best way to sell. This is the best way to sell. And we get confused. We're trying to figure out, oh, what's the best way to sell? And it's, we're all over the place and it's confusing and we don't know what to do anymore. Relax. Come back to the fundamentals. Chet is a big advocate of the fundamentals and says that if you have the fundamentals down, you will be able to sell no matter how complex the sale, no matter how competitive the marketplace. If you have your fundamentals down pat, you'll do all right. So what are those fundamentals? Fundamental number one, establish rapport. You want to provide them with some information that is of use to them. Teach them something. Help them understand something that they might not understand. You want to find common ground. You want to be more interested in them than anyone else has ever been before. That's the key right there. You want to be very interested in them. And asking questions is going to help you do that. Being curious is going to help you do that. Now, that might mean out of a meeting that lasts 60 minutes, you might ask them questions and have them talking 55 minutes, and that might only leave you with five minutes. That's okay. You want to be interested in them. There will be follow-up meetings, but be very interested in them, their situation, their problems, their need. That actually takes us to step number two of the sales fundamentals. Qualify the buyer. Find the need. Chet says he's still surprised at how often people forget to really get that clearly defined need painted. He goes that once you leave a meeting, you should have a painted picture of what that client's need is. And if you don't have that clarity, then you're not ready to sell them anything. Instead, what you're trying to do is you're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole, potentially, if you don't have that clarified need. So you really need to find out what the customer, what the prospect is looking for. You need to understand what challenges they're facing, the opportunities that they're currently facing, the problems they're facing. You have to get them to open up to you to understand what those problems are. And at that point in time, you can define if your product or service is a fit for them. A good tip here is to develop six or 10 questions that you would like to know about every prospect that you believe if you know, you're going to be able to identify whether or not your product or service is a good fit for them. That's a great tip and something that I always, always do. If you have those six to 10 questions, you can rip those off anytime, any place, anywhere. And oftentimes I find that those meetings happen at inopportune times when I don't even have a meeting booked. So have those six to 10 questions. You might change them over the years. I know I have, but have those questions ready. And it's just going to make that clarity. It's going to make it so much easier when you're qualifying somebody. At the very end of that, asking those six to 10 questions, you're going to know whether or not your product or service can be a fit for them. Step three, build value. So again, teach them something valuable that they might not know. So for example, if you're selling mobile apps, tell them about certain trends. Tell them about how adding a mobile app to their, um, to their offering mix uh, will help them innovate. It'll help them earn more money. It'll help them engage different levels. Teach them something valuable. Show them a case study of somebody who's in the same industry who used an app. By teaching them something, again, you build social proof. You educate. You're perceived as an expert. So step one, establish rapport. Step two, qualify the buyer. Find the need. Step three, build value. Step four, create desire. To create desire, present killer data that truly motivates the buyer to take action now. Help them see that their current situation is unacceptable with the combination of problems and solutions, with market data, your story about your products, your services, 
help paint that picture for them by creating the desire. And again, the desire might mean showing what other competitors are doing, showing them how adding this app, again, if we're using the mobile app um, uh, example, show them how using an app can uh, create a recurring revenue stream for them. Show them how using an app can help them engage their marketplace in a far more user, uh, user-friendly user uh, uh, manner. You know, Instead of using an Excel spreadsheet, you might be able to use an app. Those are the kind of things you have to do. Create desire. Now, you can build rapport. You can identify the need, build value, create desire, but you'll always face objections. That's number five. Overcome objections. One of the key pieces here that you need to do is you need to have clear answers to the most common objections that you will face in the marketplace. This is key and something that a lot of people don't do. They just sort of wing it and they have different answers every single time you, you, you face an objection. The most common are, it's too expensive. No. The timing isn't right. Get back to me in three months kind of thing. You need to take a step back and develop a list of those common objections and create answers for them. What are your responses to those objections? Quick little tip here. Always agree with an objection. Now, I know some people say, I disagree with that. You should never agree with them. So, for example, if somebody says, oh, I think this is too expensive. I've had people say, no, how dare you? Don't tell them that it's too expensive. No, agree with them. If their perspective is that it's too expensive, you'll tell them, you know what, you're right. However, by going through this process, what you're going to do is you're going to be able to free up X amount of dollars. You're going to be able to make X amount of dollars with the amount of time that you save. So in the grand scheme of things, while it might seem to be expensive now, in the end, it's all relative. It's not going to be expensive. Would you be willing to spend $50,000 to make yourself $200,000? If so, it's not that expensive now, is it? So when you start framing answers like that, responses like that, you're able to really tap into a piece of their brain that shifts them from saying it's expensive to, okay, it might be expensive right now, but it's an investment that I'm going to make in my company's future. So overcome objections. And a little tip is always agree with an objection. Don't disagree with them. Steps number six, close the sale. If you truly believe that your prospect should benefit from your product or service, it's your moral obligation to help them make a decision and get on with their lives. Closing the sale, you have to ask for the business. There's Go on Google. There's a million different closes for you. Some of them are the most simple where it's, you know, may I have your business or what do I have to do to earn your business? Those simple questions, you have to ask for the business though. You have to ask them for the purchase. And of course, step seven, follow up. You will always have to follow up. You can do closes all you want. That doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to buy. You have to continuously follow up with them on a regular basis, stay in front of them, provide them with value, provide them with information that's going to help them create desire for your product or service. And you have to do that. Unfortunately, that's a part of sales. It just is the way it is. You have to follow up. Now, I love that there's these um, sales statistics out there that come from the National Sales Executive Association that I think if you're a salesperson, you've probably seen this on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. Um, It's probably come across your way. This isn't actually in the Ultimate Sales Machine, but I figured it was appropriate to share this here. 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect. 48%. That's huge. 25% of salespeople make a second contact and stop. That's one quarter of salespeople make a second contact and never do it again. 12% of salespeople only make three contacts and stop. 
So there's a very small percentage of you who are making three contacts and stop. That's unreal. It's unreal. Only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts, which means that 90% of you are giving up far too soon. 90% of you don't have pig-headed determination. Get it into your head. If you want to win, you have to follow up. Here's some more stats. 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 3% of sales are made on the second contact. 5% of sales are made on the third contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth contact. And finally, 80% of sales are made on the fifth to 12th contact. Wow. If you don't have pig-headed determination, you're not making sales. If you don't have the stomach to stick in there and say, listen, I know it's tough right now. I know that there's stuff in our pipeline, but people aren't closing. They're going to close. If you're in that small percentage of people who are following up, then you, my friend, have a competitive advantage over everybody else that doesn't have pig-headed determination in following up. You will kick the ass of every single sales professional out there. You don't have to be the best, but if you're the most persistent, if you have the most follow-up, you'll win. So there you have it. There's your quick deep dive into the fundamentals of selling. Step one, establish rapport. Step two, qualify the buyer, find the need. Step three, build value. Step four, create desire. Step five, overcome objections. Step six, close the sale. And step seven, follow up like a crazy person. Pig-headed determination. And on that note, golden nugget number eight, setting a follow-up system. Having a follow-up system is something that Chet is a strong believer in. Again, with a guy who believes strongly in pig-headed determination, that's what follow-up is all about. If you don't have a follow-up strategy in place to stay in front of your prospects, then you're probably not going to win. So for example, you might have gone through that entire process and gotten to the close and you know what? They're just not there. You need to have ways to stay in front of people. And it has to go beyond you giving them a call and saying, hey, you know, I just wanted to uh, give you a call and touch base and, you know, see where you're at with this. Because that's how most folks are doing it. And I hope if you're listening to it, you're not one of them. But if you are, it's okay. I'll give you some approaches here that Chet recommends that, you know, could potentially work to help you close the sale. So what you need to do is sit down and come up with 10 different approaches, 10 follow-up mechanisms that will help you close your sale. So for example, number one, you might want to try to re-emphasize the value that you're delivering to them. Your prospect will change if they see the need to change. And oftentimes, if they're talking to you and they've gotten to the point of close, they see the value. So you have to reiterate them for them. So instead of giving them a call and saying, hey, where are you at with this? Give them a call and say, hey, in our, in our, you know, we were talking recently. You were saying how important it was to get going on this as soon as possible so you could realize the savings, you know, the, the, the earnings potential that you need by year end to pay back your stakeholders. Let's set up some time so we can talk and get moving forward. Now, isn't that better than just, hey, I just wanted to call and touch base with you? So here's another one for you. And it's really about sharing your insights, sharing your knowledge. Your prospects, they want to work with somebody who's constantly thinking about them. They want to work with somebody who knows that they have their best interests at heart and they want to trust you. They really do. So be that person to them. So you might want to say to them, Hi there, Mr. And Mrs. Customer. I've been thinking more about how I can help you 
increase your results on your, um, your, your marketing campaigns, how we can help speed it up, how we can help fill the marketing funnel faster. I thought you might be interested in what we did with organization XYZ, where they were dealing with a very similar challenge that you're having right now. Do you have a few minutes for a quick conversation about it? Now, you see here, you might have already talked to them about certain things, but it's always good to reiterate the value. You might have to circle back around in order to go through and get to that close. So I know sometimes when you're approaching these different follow-up mechanisms, some people will be like, ah, you know, they, they already know the value we can provide to them. Well, you know. They might need more convincing. So here's another one. Continue to educate them. Sometimes your prospects, you know, they're asking themselves, you yeah, know, it, it sounds good. I really like this person. But does it make sense for me to move forward and spend money on this? I mean, I don't know. From the outside looking in as a salesperson, you won't know for sure. You can't know. But you can help give them more reasons to move forward, okay? So continue to educate them. So you might want to say to them, you know what, Mr. And Mrs. Customer, I know what you're doing here. You're making a really big decision. And this decision to change it's going to cost you money. It's going to take some time. I understand that. That's why I thought you might be interested in this article that I found. And this article, whatever, it could be a case study. It could be um, a survey, uh, whatever. Let's set up some time to talk through these questions. Again, educate them. Give them more information. Help them get to the point of clarity where they say, you know what? This just makes sense. Let's do it. And so you see the difference here. You're not sitting there calling them and saying, hey, how you doing? You've made a decision. Have you made a decision? Have you made a decision? No, no, no. The difference here is that you're providing value to them. You're giving them value. So even though they said, you know, they were interested and, you know, they're just in that zone where it's, you know, a twilight zone. You're sitting there wondering what the heck they seemed like all systems were go. I thought they were going to do this. You have to continue to push forward. You have to educate you have to reemphasize the business value. You have to continue to share with them valuable insights. When you follow up, follow up strategically. So those are three different things you can do. I mean, add two or three more that you could do. I mean, you could use those three and, and use those forever. I mean, there's always different ways to educate. There's always different insights out there. There's always great ways to emphasize the business value you're providing to them. So again, these are great follow-up techniques that you need to have in your toolbox if you want to be a successful salesperson. If you want to increase sales, you have to have certain things like this built into your approach. And again, follow-up, a big piece to follow-up is pig-headed determination. If you have that never-quit mentality, if you have that winner's mindset, then you know what? Follow-up, it's just a part of everyday business for you. You have to have strong approaches. You have to be confident in your approach. And you have to know that every single time you're touching base with the prospect, you have to help get them to that point of that close. So help them get there with your follow-up. And that, my friends, is a wrap. That's The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes, my good friend and mentor, taken from the perspective of someone in a sales role that wants to get more meetings, more prospects in their sales funnel, they want a shorter sales cycle, and just want more sales. Now again, let's do a quick recap of what we learned today. Again, we learned what the key ingredient is to success pig-headed determination. We learned that learning to manage your time more effectively is going to help give you an edge. You've learned how the buying pyramid impacts your approach. You've learned how to hit everyone on that pyramid with far greater impact. You've learned how to go to market in a way that almost guarantees a new client. You learned a quick build to a sales brochure, a new approach. You took away a quick deep dive in the fundamentals of selling, perhaps a good reminder for a lot of you. 
And finally, you have some great follow-up approaches that you can take with your prospects when they just go cold on you, when they go dark. There's some great techniques here that we shared with you, all of which come from The Ultimate Sales Machine. Again, a fantastic book, a book that to me really changed my career. And so I was really happy to share this with all of you today because I know what it did for me. And so I know what a lot of these golden nuggets can do for you if you put them into practice, okay? So thank you so much again for being with me today. I look forward to the next time where we're together and I can share a new book with you and some great golden nuggets to help take you and your business, your performance, your life to a new level. You guys, take it easy. Always a pleasure. Thank you.